Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married 19 years and have seen the fruit in raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from the faith by age 18, and it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in a fallen world. Here we go, another episode of Courageous Parenting. Welcome. If you're a first-time listener or watcher on the video version welcome if you've been here before Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being so loyal and we're glad this ministry is helping you yeah it's exciting we really appreciate all the emails and messages reviews and ratings got a lot of five-star ratings that's just really praise god and god is doing something through this and really he is at the center of this and the center of the mission to impact one million families and their legacies and we just Mm -hmm. so appreciate you being a part of it it's not easy so every time you do encourage it just means the world to us it really does so So thank you so thank you so much and we're gonna what are we talking about today okay so this is a topic that i get asked a lot oh, of really? questions on yeah probably more than you do because it's regarding the children a lot more than me during the church meeting time yeah it's all about family integrated church mm. so this is a big topic maybe you do have your kids sitting with you in church and if you do then hopefully this episode is super encouraging to you with some practical tips yeah and if you don't maybe some things to think about and talk to your spouse about and discuss or if the youth programs aren't going as well as you'd like them to the from in terms of fruitfulness mm-hmm. this might be something interesting and if they're going well this will be interesting too yeah okay so, so should what? we give a quick update we should give a quick update okay okay go ahead so well you're gonna be part of it so first of all uh we have gotten so much um so many requests to donate which we've never really talked about. That. I know it's been pretty. Which crazy. is praise God because this is yeah. a full time ministry, full time effort. Yeah. Um, and we do appreciate that. And so mm-hmm. we're just letting you know at once because so so many people have asked us mm-hmm. that there is a donate button now at courageousparenting.com in the menu. So okay, if, if there that's you go. if you're called to that, feel free. But to shift gears, we want to give you a free workshop. If you've already been through it, we'd love to hear how you like it. We have already heard from so many how great it is, but it's about 30 minutes. It's a courageous parenting workshop, completely free. Mm -hmm. What's cool is it also shows you a glimpse at the very end inside the dashboard for the Parenting Mentor Program, which we'll hear a little bit later in the episode from some uh, family that's been through it. Yeah, and they also get the download of the packet. Oh, the packet's a big deal. They get a free download of one of the packets, one of the mm-hmm. six packets that comes in the Parenting Mentor Program that has, I think, 37 scriptures in it. About yeah, we parenting. go over some the theology of parenting, the biblical perspective yeah. of parenting and the jurisdiction that God's given us as parents. So an interesting fact about Angie um, that maybe you know, maybe you don't, is she had planned to never get married. I wasn't sure what you were going to say there. I'm like, <laughs> where is he going? <laughs> what? That's you have eight true. kids and you plan not to get married? I know. You, your plans are not working out. A lot. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Thank the Lord. <laughs> His ways are better than ours, right? Yeah, that's true. It's really true. And I, yeah, that's kind of an interesting story in and of itself that I'll share another time. Yeah, okay. But, but just to encourage those of you out there, 
you may be listening for the first time and think, who is this couple that has eight kids ranging in ages, almost 19 down to almost nine months? And did they always think they were going to have a lot of kids? And did they come from did big they families? Come from big families? And the answer is no to both of those questions. We'll have to do an so, episode just about frequently asked questions. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but God's ways are better than our ways, and so absolutely. Now so we have eight. <laughs> this this topic today is a really good one because um, it is a piece of creating fruitfulness and raising children, mm-hmm. and it takes courage to do what we're talking about. We're not saying everybody has, has to, to do, do what it. we're talking about, yeah. but you should definitely be thinking about it. And if this rings true for you, then we encourage you. It, it is a, a way we have seen increased fruit in our kids. Oh, yeah. I by bringing them in the church service with us. Yeah, we've seen increased fruit, but it also took it took training, which was sanctifying for them and for us. Yeah. And so it's not an easy thing always. We'll talk about that a little bit later yeah. um, in this episode. But I, I do want to say, though, that I the aspect of it being a courageous, you, you mentioned a minute ago that this is courageous parenting yeah and that this is one thing that takes courage as parents and it does when there's when you're in a culture depending on what your church culture is for some of you it's going to be totally different than others but if your culture is to just put your kids in sunday school and youth group then it will take courage to go against that culture and have them sit yeah and have them sit with you you may get eyes you may get, hey, can you put your kid in Sunday school if they're being noisy? You may get, um, oh, this way is the Sunday school. Have you tried putting them in there? Or can you have your kid sit on your lap? I need that chair for somebody else. That's happened to us before. Yeah. Um, and that was when I was pregnant even, which That's was That's the insane. non-human approach to kids. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, you know, it does take courage yeah. to go against society or against the normal way that things are done in any community that and you're And I will of. say we've been part of traditional yeah. church most of our church life. Traditional and church meaning meeting in a, a building, physical building with lots of people. Institutional church. Yeah. And uh, we've had a lot of great experiences and God's church is God's church and there's many forms totally. of it and we love God's church. So we let's love just say pride. let's just mm-hmm. say that. However, as parents we do want to be diligent what's best for our families and right. what we're seeing the best fruit from where you see the fruit that's what you want to do yeah and this i think this is a really important topic because it comes to the heart of like what is your perspective as to why you're making the decision that you're making which could be a hard question to ask because it reveals sometimes selfishness and other things too yeah um but it it does take courage to do something that maybe your friends aren't doing so let's talk about why we're talking about this and why it's important. We'll start with a verse because scripture has got to be the basis right. for everything. everything. It is about biblical parenting. We could have called the whole ministry biblical parenting, but courageous parenting is, is a little bit better at first, but it is giving the biblical parenting methodology. So. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we have a lot of scriptures in here that we want to So we got Deuteronomy thirty-one, twelve. Gather the people together, men and women and little ones, and stranger and the stranger who is within your gates, and they may hear, and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the works of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. So uh, this is everybody together here in one place 
learning to fear God. It's very clear. It says all the men, women, and yeah. the little ones, gather them all together and the stranger who is within your gate. Yeah. And they're talking about teaching the Lord's commands. That's right. And so that is, that's an Old Testament example. We also have other examples that we're going to share with you that are from even the New Testament. But, yeah. So let's talk about the why of this. The yeah. first one I want to share is one of the things that is so important to do as a spiritual leaders, spiritual leaders uh, mm-hmm. of the home, parents, uh, is to ask your kids what they learned during church, what yeah. God taught them, uh, who they connected with, mm-hmm. you know, how they've grown, what questions they have, all of these things. And we yeah. usually do that in the car, maybe a bit at home. It kind of depends on the mm-hmm. Sunday. But how how can you reinforce what they have learned? If you weren't there for what they learned and they weren't there for what you learned, there's no yeah. way to really speak the same language and discuss the the biblical truth that was discussed on Sunday. Right. And I think that this does, this, this is so important because this is also an element of building family culture yeah. that you're able to discuss biblical things and what you're learning with one another and to share the things that stood out to you in the same message in a way that like, can challenge your brother or challenge your mom or challenge your, you know what I mean? Like yeah. for them to be, we want our kids to be able to speak God's truth and wisdom into each other's lives. That's part of the vision that we've had for our family is what kind of ways will cultivate that kind of a culture where they're able to actually talk to each other and listen and take that wisdom and go with it. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And so being able to discuss a message that everyone has heard is a really easy way to cultivate that. It's really Actually, easy yeah. and really powerful. And you want to know um, if what your kids are learning is the biblical truth. Right. And have you ever experienced a sermon being a little off on the theology? Well, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Maybe you're not paying attention well enough, but you as parents should be paying attention to that and you should right. know. Right. And, you know, and if there is something off, then it's your job to correct what was off with your kids. That's right. And so if you are putting, let's say you have eight kids like us, right? And they were all in different Sunday school classrooms. Can you be in all eight places at the same time to know what they're being taught in the classroom? Not just from the person that's teaching them, but from the other kids that they're having discussion with potentially. Right. And like to be able to catch those things and discuss those things, this is a really big deal because this is your kid's spiritual life. Yeah, it is. And it is so fun to be able to talk about the mm-hmm. same mm-hmm. thing that was spoken of and discuss that. Yeah. The next point is there's sometimes an objection uh, for having all the kids together because they need to hear the word of God presented in different ways so that they understand it better. Yeah. I've heard this one a lot from a lot of people going, well, kids can't really understand the sermon, right? I don't know if you've ever said that or if you've ever heard that before. Um, and I would beg to differ with you that they they understand more than you think they do. Mm-hmm. And yes, there is an element of like, oh, what are your kids learning styles? And how old are they? And like, what's going to get catch their attention? And like, we do that with homeschool. That's yeah. one of the reasons why we like to homeschool so we can adapt the curriculum to fit the kid where they're at and what their learning style is, right? Yeah. However, don't we also want to challenge our children to be able to learn in all ways 
not just only be good at the one way they're good at. Yeah. And also, if we are desiring for our kids to grow in spiritual maturity, guess how they're going to be challenged in that? By being around older people, not just people that are their age, right? Yeah, and we don't want to feed their immaturity. We want to grow their maturity. And what I mean by that is if we adapt the training to their inability to sit still, Mm-hmm. then how much are we actually training them? Little sound bites, short periods of time, or do we want to help them mature to be able to sit still and take in more? That's right. It's also interesting too, because a lot of our culture just in general thinks that old, even older kids are incapable of of good things like being able to sit still and have self-control over their body, for example, right? And that's just not true. That's actually like playing into what the devil wants us to believe about our kids. And you could say this even on situations that have nothing to do with church. And so I would just, you know, really caution you to believe that kids can't learn from the sermon. They may not get everything, like especially if the teacher is really getting deep into theology and talking about the Greek and all that kind of stuff, but you never know what your kids are going to catch and it'll become a really good discussion, actually. Um, But, you know, there's actually a scripture verse in Acts 16 that I want to share with them. This one is really cool. So this was in Acts 16. This is when Paul and Silas are imprisoned and they're witnessing to the jailer. They've just been whipped um, for actually casting a demon out of a little girl. So obviously a child here in the New Testament has been demon possessed. And this has happened many times when Jesus was like casting demons out of a little boy and that that has happened. So children can be spirit filled yes, and they can be, there can be both kinds of spirit, right? Like, so for us to just assume that kids don't get it or when they're older, they'll get it is another lie. I believe that the devil wants us to believe because children can take in a lot, especially spiritually. And so here he's just cast out a demon. These guys got mad at them and they were imprisoned. And then bam, here's the jailer asking, sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is verse 30 through 34. So they said to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your whole household, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. Do you think it was all who were in his house minus children? Now, we, we aren't told if there are children there, but this is just an interesting scripture. Um, he, they, he, they spoke the word of the Lord to everyone who was in his house, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes on the, that were on their back, you know, and immediately he and his whole family were baptized. And when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. He rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Mm. So the interesting thing about this, we don't want to speculate as to like how old the people were that were in his household. Some denominations Mm -hmm. will speculate that they were really little and that will be their like reasoning for certain doctrines. Um, And we don't want to do that in this scripture. We want to be purely biblical. But what's interesting about this is that they spoke the word of the Lord to all who were in the household. So they weren't excluding anyone. They weren't segregating anyone out for being a woman or for age. Yeah. Which was actually in that culture, it was a more masculine dominated culture. So the fact that all who were in his household were there Mm -hmm. was pretty powerful. Oh, yeah. Now, um, just a quick reference on youth group, nursery, Sunday school. Mm -hmm. If you've ever served in those roles, praise God. That is awesome. Yeah. And so we're not against these things because... Frankly, there's a lot of parenting not happening. Happening. So there's a real need for somebody to do the job. 
for somebody to be there. So if parents aren't going to do that, there needs to be that catch-all. But if you're going to do it, you might rethink about this a little bit. Who do you want um, really discipling your kids Mm -hmm. and how much influence do you want to have on that? Well, you'd want to have a lot. And it's not that we don't want other people to influence our kids. Absolutely. do. Mm -hmm. Ones we trust, proven, been down the road. Um, But if a youth group leader has 100 kids in his realm, that is an impossible discipleship feat. Feet. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's just impossible. Right. And so there's only so much. They would admittedly say there's only so much they can do. And so we don't want um, our kids' hearts also attaching to somebody that's about fun, a little bit of scripture, about more fun, and about social time and friendships. And not all youth pastors are that way, but many there are many who are. Yeah. And so um, I, I was a youth I don't know if you call it a youth minister, but I was the director of Christian education and was running wow, you've the youth changed. program. That's where you, what you went to college for. I know, right? Well, that and family counseling, here we are. But I, in all seriousness, like there were problems in regards to what the parents' expectations were of me. That it was like they were delegating yeah. the spiritual maturity or spiritual knowledge. Here's and your hour with 50 other kids. Me. And they you, didn't know me. They need to be strong Christians because of you. Right. And But they didn't know me. Yeah. Like really know me. Yeah. And so what's interesting about that is like, you know, if you do have your kids going to youth group, do you know the youth pastor? Yeah. Like, does he sit in your home at your table? Do you have food and fellowship and conversation with him? Does he allow you to speak into his life because you're an older brother in the Lord? Yeah. And is there a healthy walking relationship like that? Or are they pretty much a stranger with a title that the church has just put a stamp of approval on and you're just blindly trusting them? So, yeah, I think that there's a there's some youth leaders out there that are great in terms of like, they're just a helper to the parents and they turn kids right. back it's to the parents. Additive. And, and that's, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. But yeah. even in that situation, I would consider this because are your kids ready to lead in the midst of bad influences? Mm-hmm. And when you have a bunch of kids together parented completely different, there's going to be plenty of bad influences in there. Mm -hmm. And so you just have to realize, you know, what you're getting into. So we love bringing the church with us because on the positive side, we believe it's important to worship God together, to do communion together, to to pray together together and have Mm -hmm. something that is modeling what it looks like to be a mature believer. You know, you just brought something up. That's a really huge issue that we've talked about a little bit in the parenting program, but I just want to touch on it here. This is a bigger issue than I think we realized when we started doing this podcast. I'm just going to say that because, and this is why, when, when parents are delegating any kind of spiritual um, teaching or jurisdiction to someone else, or they're not um, allowing their children to even view them worshiping, doing communion, praying, being a part of the body, bringing their gifts, participating in the church meeting, mm-hmm. right? If our children don't see that, then they don't know what they are supposed to do when they grow up. They've mm-hmm. never seen it modeled for them. And I think that we've talked about this epidemic that's in 
the Christian church all over today where young people are walking away from their faith when they're 18 and 19 years old. And this yeah. is part of it. Like if they don't ever see themselves, like if they grow, if they do on the positive side, like you were just saying, if they do grow up their whole life witnessing their mom and their dad worshiping the Lord through acts of service and, and even just being in the church meeting and having that consistency, then it becomes their, it can become their way of life, their habit too, because they've always envisioned themselves doing that yeah. when they get older. Yeah. But if a kid never has that modeled, they don't know what to expect. So they don't know what it's going to look so like. So they're in youth programs until they launch, and then they're and then there's they no go college into some, age. Then sometimes. they go into something that there is foreign to them or nothing. Right. And they're or they're not like integrated into the church from high school that happens a lot too and people think that they need to start a college program so there's so, just like another step you're graduating now to the college program before you can come into the church that just doesn't seem right just in my leadership experience i've always believed i've seen massive increase in results with teams when you teach to the people that are further along in understanding mm. and the stronger mm -hmm. in understanding and if you do that Everybody rises, yeah. but if you teach to the the lowest denominator uh, in understanding, then you frustrate the strong, and it, it just everything collapses. You know, this is actually it just reminds us of how we parent our kids when we're all together, like when yeah. we have family meetings or when we have meals together yeah. or we're doing family Bible time. Like you don't teach our 19, 16, 14, and twelve year old the three year old and eight month old level. We don't talk differently. No. And we never have with any of them. And yeah. our children have always been a little bit more spiritually mature. And I don't say that pridefully. I just say that from a place of like, we've always viewed them as equals to us, even though we're the parents, how we talk to them, there is an equal dignity in value. Dignity, respect, and, and value in the way And we that comes through. And yeah, it comes through in how you communicate with them. Yeah. And so I think that it's really, um, we are the parents, but yeah. we we will get more respect if we give respect to our kids too. And they do they, understand a lot more than we think they, they do. They rise to that respect you give mm -hmm. them. So in Proverbs 20, 11 through 12, even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. And so it is just so important mm -hmm. that kids feel like, and young adults feel like they count. They are an important part of the body of Christ. Right. We're not to separate mm -hmm. and just think of church in terms of what the adults are getting. Even more important, it's what the kids are getting. Mm -hmm. And they should be in a maturation process of respecting their intelligence enough to not to cater to their foolishness of not being oh, able to pay that's attention. that's really good. Do not cater to their foolishness of not paying attention. <laughs> that's convicting to me. And I think that that's one to take note. Like if you've got your journal and your pen, write that one down because that could apply to any aspect of parenting. Like do not cater to the foolishness of a child. The Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Right. Like we have to have a biblical perspective of our children to be able to parent them productively for the glory of God and yeah. prepare them for Christian living. Remember, you guys, I have shared this multiple times on my Instagram you are parenting your child. You actually, they are going to be living with you maybe 20 to 25% of their life. Yeah. That is a very small amount of time. Yeah. That is a very small amount of time, especially in the scheme of their life. Yeah. And so what you do now is really important and valuable.
And I think that it's important to have that vision, to have these whys behind you, because it's going to be hard. Like if you do choose to start having your kids sit in church with you, not only is it courageous, but it's hard to stay the course because it's not always easy. Yeah. Especially in a culture where it's not accepted. Yeah. And so you have to remember your whys and you have to remember the vision behind. Okay. So I'm going to have a conversation with them after church about what we talked about. Okay. I want them to see me worshiping so they can envision themselves worshiping God the same way when they're older. Right. Okay. This is consistency. Okay. I can train them in having self-control. Okay. Children can learn these truths, these commandments, these Christian living doctrines, theology, ways of life, they can learn them all. And do you think that the devil wants you to think those things? I mean, I mean, if we're just going to be really honest, does the enemy want your child to grow in spiritual maturity? Absolutely not. No. Does the devil want your child to hear the word of God preached straight from the Bible? No. Right. Does he want you rising up and talking to them about the message? No. <laughs> Does he want your kid to start flirting with another girl in youth group? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, you know, we also, here's another thing that is interesting. And, and this is kind of the, the topic of ageism. Yeah. Okay. So when you put your kids yeah, in Sunday important. school, it, what is it doing? It's creating an ageism in the body of Christ. And that's a big deal. Right? Because God wants all of us to be in fellowship with one another, with our younger sisters in Christ and our older brothers in Christ to be able to speak into each other's life. I will tell you, there's nothing better than when I see another man talking to my sons. It is so cool. And when I see an older woman talking to one of our daughters. Especially when you trust those people. Yeah. Right? Like if if it's organic. We're in a really unique situation because of our home church where we're really blessed, where we trust those people to be speaking into their life. But the point is, is that it's age integrated so that there isn't this separation Mm -hmm. in the the mindset of the adults too. The adults are like, oh, they're right here with me. They are part of the body of Christ. I should talk to them. When we separate, the adults fail to remember that the kids are part of the body of Christ and they ignore them often. Not always, but often. But they do. And I know that just from conversations with even our teenagers, how much they have craved being able to be a part of those more um, intellectual conversations during the fellowship time. And it's important to involve your kids and to not think like, oh, well, the Christian talk is only for adults. Now, you're going to go through a scripture and then we're going to talk exactly how to do this at the end of this episode. But real quick, Mm -hmm. we do want to share about the Parenting Mentor Program. We do share this every time. Why? Because this is the thing that is Mm -hmm. having the Mm -hmm. biggest impact of anything we've ever created Excluding the best-selling book, Redeeming Childbirth, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> it's course. in the postpartum course. But this thing is incredible. The feedback that's happening, praise God. God is doing something. The mm-hmm. six-week self-paced online curriculum with yeah. live engagement with us in Q&A and a powerful community. So uh, let's hear real quick uh, from a great couple that's gone through it. Hello, we're Sammy and Natalia Cosa from Orange County, California. And we've been married for almost 10 years and we have three beautiful children, Sayla, who's seven, Audrey, who's five, and Valor, who's one and a half. And we are so beyond thankful for the mentorship we received from Isaac and Angie Tolpin. Yeah, Isaac and Angie, you guys came into our life at just the most perfect time. We were actually um, experiencing a 
confusing time in our parenting journey. And in just a few short months, under your guidance, under the Parenting Mentorship Program, and under your godly examples, we now have a game plan to how we want to raise our children. We have so many answers to the questions that have been in our mind and on, on our hearts. And we are so thankful for the both of you because now we know how we can thrive on our parenting journey. Absolutely. We want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for teaching us the model of godly parenting and how we should be so encouraged to be raising our kids in this day and age. We used to fear, fear the future, um, and now we are so excited about their future, know that this is the greatest time in history to be alive, and we know that the best days are still ahead, and we're no longer fearing dark days ahead, but we're so excited to raise lights uh, to be leaders uh, for the next generation. Yeah, and just a couple things that you guys have taught us in the six-week parenting program is that a kingdom-focused legacy is the most important because that's actually why we are here on earth. It's not about our legacy, but it's about God's legacy. And you also taught us that it's hard to do the mundane unless you see the bigger picture and see the grander purpose. And now we have a bigger picture and a grander purpose in raising our children, and we are so beyond thankful for the both of you. Wow. So encouraging. Always love hearing that. And it's so encouraging to us to be able to do something for the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be reading to you guys from Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. And then I'm also going to flip to verse 10 because it talks about children again. This is an instruction for us. Okay. So at that time, we're going to learn from the disciples' mistake here. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You know where I'm going with this. Then Jesus called a little child unto him, set him in the midst of them and said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Here's verse six. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and if he were drowned in the depth of the sea. And then if we skip, I mean, it goes into woe to the world because of offenses. It goes on and on. And then verse 10 says, take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. For the son of man has come to save that which is lost. Are our children lost? Yeah. They are. There is a there is an element. If they have not received Christ, if they do not understand that Jesus is God, that he is the son of God and that he died on the cross for our sins. And I think and God has again. grace for the real, real littles. Oh, of um, course. There's some evidence of but that. But he came to save it's them, God's too. God's nature to but do that. But he came to save them, too, you know? Yeah. And so the fact that he came to save them, too, why would we exclude them from the church meeting where we're learning God's Amen. word? Yeah. Why would we exclude them from knowing about how Jesus died for them? If we're creating yeah. disciples, that even more importantly includes children, according to what Jesus is talking about. Yeah. And I mean, we go into like the whole topic of discipleship and discipling your children in the parenting program yeah. in depth. I mean, yeah. like hours of training. Well, let's there. talk yeah. about how to do this. So if you're in traditional church, mm-hmm. you can totally do it. We did it for most of our church going years. Um, mm-hmm. Now we're in yeah. a home fellowship. We have been for the last three years mm-hmm. and obviously that's how everybody does it. So it's actually not as courageous. You don't have to be quite as courageous in a home, in church. Our home church. But yes. in the traditional church, you do because you're bucking the system a little bit. But yeah. most churches we've found are totally receptive of you having you sit 
your oh, kids sit yeah. with you in the church. Totally. We found great experiences, uh, even though there's youth group and all those things going on. And it's been really powerful. But you do have to buck the system. And so if just bucking the system causes mm-hmm. you to go, I don't know if I want to do it. You have to ask yourself, well, are you willing to be courageous enough to create disciples mm-hmm. and launch confident Christian kids in an uncertain world? Yeah. I think it's important to ask ourselves the questions. Why is it that I am so dead set against bringing them to church with me? And that'll reveal a lot of things, maybe some ugly things even. Yeah. And so it takes courage just to ask yourself that question. Why don't I want to bring them to church? Is well, it they're... because I want to break and I want to sit mm. in a service kind of like a movie and be entertained and like have a break and meet the Lord and have some peace and quiet. Or the well, social time around church. Right. And- but what what is that really saying, though, that you, you haven't been training your children well enough to be able to do that with you? Yeah. So that, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm sorry if that hurts a little bit. Actually, I'm sorry, not sorry, because it's important that we ask ourselves those courageous questions. Yeah. And so let's talk about training them to sit still. Mm-hmm. Now, before we go into it, uh, whether it's an hour, hour and a half, two hours, like often in, in our church service, yeah. um, don't we want them to be able to sit still for other purposes too? It's not just about church. It's like, don't you want to be able to go out to dinner? Or go to a funeral or go to a wedding and, and have your kids, like you don't have to worry have about how they're going to behave. Like, So there's a positive ripple effect of teaching yes. your kids. Obviously, the They greatest, get to be a light in the world. They get to be a light. Yeah. I don't, yeah, lots of people come up and go, wow, so behaved. I That's know, such I know. a good thing. So you want to teach yeah. them to train them to sit still. So why don't you help people understand how to do that? Yeah. Well, you know, I think one of the things that I've always thought of is regarding discipline and correction, okay, no matter where it is, church, home, wherever, I want to set my children up for success. Because if I fail at setting them up for success, meaning if they haven't had a nap or they haven't eaten breakfast or whatever, then I have to offer an extra kind of grace regarding discipline and it could come across as being inconsistent to my children. So I have a responsibility to set them up for success so that I can be as consistent as possible, regardless of where I am, regarding holding them accountable to having self-control over their bodies, their tempers, their emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and that's a whole nother podcast. However, one way you can set your kids up for success for church is to have them eat a good breakfast before you go. If snacks are allowed in the church service, bring them a snack. If you choose, if they're not allowed, then guess what? Children are actually able to sit for 45 minutes without needing a snack. Yeah. And if they can't or handle longer. that, then you actually have some self-control that you need to work on with your child. Yeah. It's a good thing for them to have to practice. And then there's that element of, um, you know, their potty training, just the thought of like, oh, I have to take them potty. Well, you know what? Yeah, you do. You're the parent. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 how we're sanctified, actually. It's a boot camp for us, too. Yeah. And it's a good thing. It makes us better to be selfless and servant-hearted in our leadership. And that's what God calls us to as parents period, mm-hmm. right? And so setting your kids up for success is having them eat breakfast, having them have some things with them there in the church that are going to help them to engage with the teaching and with um, the rest of the body crisis sitting there. And what I mean by that is, do they have a Bible with them? Mm. Do they have a journal? Maybe some pens or colors where they can be taking notes and drawing pictures of what they're hearing in the sermon if they can't write. Mm. If they can write, have them taking notes of what they're hearing in the message so they can share at dinner time later what they learned or at lunch what they learned. Yeah. Um, 
I would refrain from bringing a bunch of toys because that can become loud. Definitely don't bring things that are going to get them in trouble is what I mean. So no loud toys that make music or are clankety clankety on a floor if there's a hard floor. Nothing that's going to be distracting to people that are sitting behind them. Um, you definitely don't want to um, have them have gum right? Because they could make a huge mess with that. Um, drinks are another thing, like having a sippy cup that you know is not going to spill or having them wait. You need to be training them for sitting in church with you. I know our three-year-old has a cute little backpack. And yeah. Whereas it's, it's for church. Yeah. And he has like a, a Bible stories coloring book yeah. and he has his young readers Bible and he has mm-hmm. his crayons and, you know, and so, and he even sometimes will have like some of his little magnet things and he'll just sit there or silly putty. We've had one kid that um, would, you know, his knee would like bounce a lot. You even do that in church sometimes, you know, when you're paying attention and you're, some people are more antsy like that. Right. right? And so taking something like um, silly putty or like something that they can squeeze their hand with that actually will keep certain types of kids that are more sensory issues quiet. So how do we train them during the week to be ready for the meeting? Mm -hmm. Great question. So one of the things I've encouraged all of the younger moms in our fellowship to do um, is with really little kids, they can do something that's called blanket time. And um, it's where you put a blanket out during the week. And you every day I do this with even Eli. He's eight months old. Um, We were doing this when he was four months old. And you just put a couple toys on the blanket and you have them sitting on the blanket. And when they go off the blanket, you bring them back to the blanket over and over again. They get used to sitting on the blanket. Um, This can be hard if there's not a lot of room in the room to do blanket time Mm -hmm. with your kids at church. We've had that as our fellowship got really big. It was harder for me to put the baby down um, on the blanket. But um, as kids get a little bit older, like toddler age, you can have them like for home fellowship. We bring in the fold-up chairs for the three-year-old, the little fold-up chairs, and that's their chair. And so during the week, they can practice. And and what I've told these other moms is have a sermon plane or have like a podcast plane, mm-hmm. something that's not geared towards children because the sermons are actually the same like yeah. in church and they need to be able to sit still for a certain amount of time. So if you're training at home, you're going to start out with a short period of time and each day you kind of up it a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more to where they're able to listen for a whole message. And um, that really is the best way is if you're able to have like a certain time in your everyday where you're practicing. Consistency is such an important thing in that. You, right. you mentioned daily you do that. Now in the church service for the guys, wives too. Um, but one of the things I love to do is like when we're praying and mm-hmm. he's fidgeting and he, he doesn't realize we're praying, I go, oh, Solomon, we're praying. And yeah. he folds his hands and mm-hmm. he's not perfect at it, but you know, he's, he's getting the yep. habit of praying with us. And, During the and, then, meeting, and yeah. then if he's being antsy, I'm like, oh, look, pastor is teaching right now right. let's listen we that's he's teaching god's word mm-hmm. you know and just kind of steering them in the right direction thinking of things too during the sermon now the sermon is more dynamic it's not just about what mm-hmm. i'm getting i'm thinking about what my kids are getting right i'm like oh i'm gonna ask so-and-so about this afterwards yes and it's it becomes such a spiritual growth mm-hmm. initiative for mm-hmm. everybody when That's the right. parents have that mindset. Yeah, it does change it a bit because you're thinking of how is this message minister to me, but how does it also minister to my kids? Yeah. Right. And um, it's neat because some of the best discussions that we've had post church have been where the kids are sharing the things that either were convicting to them or they didn't know or. So interesting what message. they pick up. Sometimes yeah. they pick up things I completely missed. Totally. Oh, it's true. Yeah. And so it's just, it's been a 
it's been a good thing for our family, but it's not just our family. We've seen this transform many families yeah. over the years. Just parents being more proactive, being consistent. Um, I, I would say also that it's important that you stay consistent in training your children. And so if they start pushing boundaries and acting out, um, you need to stay consistent. You may have to walk them out of the church and have a talk with them. And I just want to encourage you that if you get condemnation for that, then maybe you need a question if you're in the right place or you need to talk to that person that was doing that and help them to have a more biblical perspective on parenting. You should be able to take your kids out, discipline them, correct them, talk to them, uh, whatever you do, but you need to do that real time. And it's great training uh, to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's such a catalyst for raising disciplined, godly kids. Yeah. So I want to share this last scripture verse. It's in Galatians chapter six. It's verses six through 10. It says, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will will of the spirit reap everlasting life. You guys, we are going to sow with our children and then we're going to reap with our children. We're going to reap either everlasting life with them or not actually. Yeah. And this is part of it is take stepping up and taking responsibility over that spiritual maturity and really engaging our kids and teaching them. And then it continues and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Yeah. Such an encouraging word for us because child training can become wearisome. Yeah. And Church, a lot of times people think, well, this should be the day of rest. This isn't restful. This is exhausting. Well, you know what? That's the sanctifying part of being here on earth. We can rest when we get to heaven. And therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And I think this is really important because it's called a household of faith. A household involves parents, kids. And giving preferential treatment to those that we're going to church with. That's right. And so helping one another. So there should be an element of biblical community where they are supportive of your decision, even if it's not their decision to bring their kids to church. And if imagine what it would be like if church biblical community, right? And you're in the church meeting. If, if a mom who has three little ones is having a hard time with one of her kids, if an older woman sat in with the other two while that mom took the other kids out so that the husband could be the usher or could be ministering. That's how it should be. And if it's not that way for you, we've experienced the same thing in our past and we still stayed the course. You want to stay the course regardless. And one other thing is if it's in the Bible, it's age appropriate for your kids. Uh, it definitely deter- d- uh, depends on how somebody is teaching that topic in the Bible. Yes. And so there could be topics that are preached on in a way that aren't age appropriate for some of your kids. Then you really have to start, if, if this whole thing is important to you, then you have to question maybe where you're going. Right. Because every sermon should be given to any age kid in the room, but all scripture should be okay for all age kids. Right. And I just want to encourage you too that if you're sitting in a service during a time and something is said that's, you know, going to cause question, don't just sweep it under the rug and not address Bring it. it up. You have to. Yeah. You have to look at this as an opportunity to talk about the hard topics. Yeah, we yeah. should be doing that anyway. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. 
Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, Isaac and I release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you and your spouse to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. It's an incredible program where we cover everything from obedience, training, to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's an incredible community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentorship program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.